Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dope Black Women podcast. My name is Leanne Levers. I'm one of the co-founders of Dope Black Women. And today we have two very special guests with us, two extremely dope black women. I recently, a few months ago, after moving back to Jamaica, decided to take up a hobby and I love being close to the water. And I found this place called Jamnesia, which you're going to hear about today. And I start, I picked up surfing and a couple of dope black women who are, who might, you might remember Annie and a few others that were here at the time. We all went for a couple of surfing lessons together and we've really enjoyed it. And I didn't realize what a surfing culture there actually is in Jamaica or that's developing in Jamaica, because you always think of surfing as this kind of very West Coast, California experience and usually not with black women there, but you know, there are a, a bunch of black women doing that are surfing and actually doing really well at it. And I have two people with me here today. I have Aymane Wilmot and Rhonda Harpo who are amazing surfers and they're gonna talk about black girl surf. Um, so welcome ladies. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourselves. Rhonda, do you want to go first and kind of introduce yourself, who you are and what makes you a dope black woman? And then Imani can go afterwards. Okay, so I'm Rhonda Harper. I'm the founder of Black Girl Surf. Black Girl Surf is a high performance training camp for girls 7 to 17 who wish to pursue professional surfing. Um, and we use education to keep the girls engaged um and uh yeah we've been in business now i just found out like i keep saying i started in 2014 and and i is it re reminded me when she comes here that we actually started in i think 2010 oh, so wow. yeah we, we've been we've been we've been here for a while over a decade now yes yeah um so i never like to introduce myself i never know what <laughs> I'm not very good at that, but um, I'm Imani um, from Jamaica. Um, see, this is why I don't do that. I don't talk about myself, you know, it's very hard. Um, You're yeah, I'm a surfer. I manage a Jamnesia surf camp. I also have a group um, in Jamaica called Surf Girls Jamaica um, that we use surfing as, uh, you know, like a therapy and empowerment and a space for women to get together and girls and you know get in the water enjoy the water learn surfing and create a community that they can be a part of um i work with Rhonda also on black girl surf and you know a few other projects that we have we have the africa surf international that we work on which is a surf competition based in africa going across well our intention is to go to all the countries that have a coast right. and have a contest a whole series of competition um on the continent so there are those things that we do yeah amazing and what would you say makes both of you dope black women because we took the initiative to do exactly what we're doing when nobody even thought about us putting black women or black girls in the water so we just i just took it upon myself 
to just start her. She went off to start Surf Girls Jamaica when we were doing the Africa Surf International, which is one of those things that I created so that we could have a platform for Pan-Afro surfers uh, because they weren't being seen and showcased in in professional surfing. So we created the Africa mm-hmm. Surf International in order to be able to showcase our people and, and give a cultural exchange um, between the surfers and, and different countries. I would say um, what, what makes us dope, I think, is that we really put the effort and the energy into it when everybody else at the time was telling us that we can't do yeah. it or we shouldn't do it mm-hmm. or it makes no sense or, you know, even when we didn't have the support, we definitely just kept going, you know, and I think that is what, that's a quality of dopeness, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. definitely yeah, we definitely. definitely didn't stop. We definitely, yeah. I've definitely been uh, attest to the fact that we have not stopped one day. <laughs> I would like a vacation. I'm supposed to go down to Jamaica, but I'm sure I'm going to have to work when I get there. So I definitely, <laughs> definitely do work. We do work very hard and we wor- we're working for the next generation of not just surfers. We're working for the next generation of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to be, we're not gatekeepers, but we like to be aunties to the next yeah. generation because we we understand, we understand the mission and and with our experience, why wouldn't we share it? Exactly. Of course, of course. So you both have different accents, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering how you both found surfing because for me, I mean, I'm I'm in my thirties and I only kind of big. I'm only beginning to explore surfing now, and. In going over to Jamnesia, it was kind of something I didn't even anticipate to see. Lots of women there. I was surprised to see Imani with so many young girls from like the age of four, five, six, going straight up to older women. I'm going to let Imani go because her track record, I mean, I'm the older <laughs> one of the <laughs> But Imani has traveled way much more than I have when it comes to surfing. So I'm going to let her take the floor on that one. Well, I mean, I I started surfing when I was like eight years old. Um, How I started was, you know, well, my brother started surfing before me. I grew up seeing my dad surfing and my brother surfing. And I'm going to be honest, it was a bit like out of jealousy that I I started because, (laughs) you know, at that time I was in dancing um you know I actually was going to the the art school there and I was dancing there and you know um but that was just something that was expected of girls and so I was a bit jealous and you know um my dad carried me out in the water with my brothers and you know it was just one of those things that unless you've tried surfing you can't imagine or explain what that feeling is that gets you hooked and connected with the water you know so that's how I got Mm. into surfing um I started competing I would say when I was about 12 or 14 I remember did they they have competitions for women at that age not specifically so mm -hmm. what they have is a is a category called juniors category so they have different categories they have mini uni which is like the tiny top ones and then you go up to like the minnows and then there's there's something out there for everybody. But professionally, they have a juniors category, a junior okay. pro category. Yeah. Um, but in Jamaica, we just had, we had, because there are so few women that we never really had a woman's contest. 
you know, it was like you just kind of jump in and surf and they just group all the girls together and they have one heat. Um, but I competed for Jamaica since I've been competing for Jamaica since I was about 14, I think was my first contest. Um, wow. That was I contest. Um, and I've been doing it, you know, ever since. But when I was about, I would say 15 or so the year after, I think it was 15, I came to California for another contest representing <laughs> Jamaica. And that is how Rhonda, she's a, she is a journalist, still is, even though she's a retired journalist, you know, they never give up. Um, <laughs> she walked up to us on the beach and she was like, you know, I came here for you guys. I want to interview you. Like you're the blackest team in this whole place. <laughs> you know, like even the teams from Africa weren't as black as we were, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> they had that one guy in South Africa. I forget his name, but it was one guy. Um, and, you know, we kind of just, even though we have that like age difference, I think the things that motivate us and that, uh, we're actually concerned about they were very similar mm -hmm. and so it kind of just our friendship just grew from there and you know i don't know that's 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 the starting of it i would that say that was the beginning wow. of it see imani <laughs> came in <laughs> and Kimani came in and she's the competitor but by a little bit more entertaining so i grew up in the 70s it is hot in kansas city kansas in the summertime and so you have to stay in the house and watch television most times. And in the 70s, all they showed on TV in the summer months was Gidget, Beach Blanket, Bingo, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, and those type of surf movies that were coming out of California in the 60s. <laughs> and so I saw Little Stevie Wonder on Muscle Beach Party. And then that was the connection, right? Because if Little Stevie can be in this scenario, I mean, it was truly an all-white scenario. But if Little Stevie can be in this place and he's just singing his little heart out, then I feel like I can I can do the same. And I just absolutely fell in love with all of those type of movies. And then my mom was um, transferred to from, from Kansas City to San Jose, California. And instead of taking us to Disneyland, she took us to the beach for the first time. And that was it. I was in love from the first time I even touched Lighthouse Beach. And then about five years later, I was sent over to Hawaii um, to, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to start saying help my sister. Because when I say I got put on restriction and everybody says, well, where'd you go? I got put on restriction, but I got sent to Hawaii to go live with my sister. You know, and people was like, go live with, you go, go live with your sister. You know what I mean? But I was in yeah. Hawaii. And my sister was 19 and I was 15 at the time. And we lived on a resort at North Shore, Hawaii. Oh, so wow. I, mean, I don't know what kind of punishment that is, but that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, send me there, please. Like. <laughs> I hear that all the time. This is, this is my parents, though. <laughs> but they thought they were really doing something very stern. Uh, but so I get there and Magnum P.I. is filming every single day. Every day I'm at the beach from the time the sun comes up to the sun comes down. And one of the crew members asked me if I wanted to go tandem. And that was the beginning of my surfing career. I was 15, living on the North Shore of wow. Hawaii. That's crazy. And then you just fell in love with it as well. Oh, yeah. And continued was, to fall so in love with it. I remember coming home and I think I not I think I was I'm, I know for a fact this is a fact. You know, somebody would have to call the ring company, but I'm pretty sure I was the only black woman in the last 40 years to ever get their class ring, their senior class ring with a woman surfer on the side of it. But wow. I did. I mean, that's how hooked I was. I, as soon as I graduated from high school, then I was away from my parents. And I just went to this place called Play It Against Sports, bought an old used board, 
and I just started going every time I get paid I'd go buy a new board and I just you know fell in love from San Jose from Santa Cruz all the way to San Diego I was just surfing up and down and then I finally went to Costa Rica like in my early 20s for a day and then flew back home but I got to surf while I was there so that was cool but yeah I did I I was go I wanted to be a professional surfer when I moved to Hawaii all I had was surf magazines that's all I had I'm surf wow. magazine and artist, I'm an artist. So I was a graffiti artist at the time. So those were only two things I took. I said, I'll get clothes when I get there. That's how um, serious I was about it. But what I did notice was that there were nobody, that, there was nobody that looked like me mm, in those mm. magazines that I was buying, you know, every single week. And after a while, you just get tired of it. You know what I mean? You just, it's, it no longer piques your interest and you just go and recreational surf when you can. And that's what I did for years. Yeah, what's that feeling like that you're so in love with that you can only get from surfing? I think I think it for me because I do mid, not just surfing but I do many water sports. I think it's the water itself for me. Mm. It's for me the water is healing, the water is entertaining. I mean, I remember just body surfing when I first got to Lighthouse Beach, I didn't have boards. I was 10 years old. And so my brothers and sisters and I would just like body surf for hours and hours and hours. Now, you know, 40 years after that, I go to Santa Cruz and I learned that there's a huge berm in the, in the <laughs> right after the sandbar. So we could have got sucked in at any time. We didn't know we were little oh my kids. Goodness. We thought it was the greatest thing. We thought it was the greatest thing ever, but the water came up, it dumped. And that's, you know, we thought that was the coolest thing. And so I think that that's where my addiction came from. I mean, just the water period. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, I grew up in the water, you know, I mean, like warm water. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the water. Like my dad is a fisherman, you know what I mean? Like we're always on the beach. We're always, that's, we literally live right there on the beach, you know? Most people, they go to summer camp and, you know, like we were like, oh, I want to just go home so I can swim. And you spend the whole <laughs> summer on the beach, you know, um, there is something about the water. But I think if you're going to be specific about that feeling that gets you hooked to surfing, like when you, you know, like when you surf for the first time and you catch that it's first wave, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like you're powerless but you're powerful at the same time mm -hmm. and it's just so fast, but it's so slow. And it's, I don't know, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to explain, but it it's is. an exhilarating yeah. feeling. It is. And when you get to the shore, you're like, I need yeah. to do that again. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, the only thing you can do is just scream and shout. And you know, like that's the feeling that you get. Yeah. I remember going out for the first time with two of my girlfriends and none of us had surfed really yet I think one of us maybe my girlfriend Annie had surfed maybe a couple of times and I kept going up get falling down going up falling down going up falling down and your brother who was our instructor for the day you know normally it's so easy to give up but something just makes you want to keep going and catch that first wave and I remember he was like you're overthinking it he was like stop thinking and yep. we started talking and mid conversation, when he realized that I was comfortable, he just pushed me. And I, that's when I caught my first wave. And there's something, as you said, there's something really freeing about this experience of riding a wave that when you're doing it, nothing else seems to matter. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that was my experience True. of it. It just forced you to be in that moment. moment. You have to be mm. present, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and do you find that like because so tell me about black girls surf and surf girls jamaica and kind of not just the intention but what you found that's been like really powerful about empowering these women through surfing and these young girls actually the most powerful thing is the empowerment that we give not only little girls but their mothers Mm. right their mothers are just as excited to come bring their kids down to the water as we are to have the kids there so it's not it's a it's a two it's a two-tier system like even the family even the fathers have started to come they're just so excited that their Mm -hmm. girls are just a part of it Mm -hmm. right because it is it's one of those things this thing just fit because it made sense if i'm in the water for 35 years and i don't have another black female that's surfing next to me I didn't see one while I was in the car. I didn't see one on the beach. You know what I mean? I didn't see one at the surf shop when I went. If I don't see that, then I know there's a problem. And that's where that's where me as a journalist um, came in, right? Because mm-hmm. I'd already started talking about it. I'd already started addressing the situation. So after you address the situation publicly so many times, it's like, how many times is this girl going to talk about this thing? When is she going to actually do something about it? Mm-hmm. So then you just put down your pencil and your pen or your laptop or whatever, and you start learning how to judge a contest, officiate a contest, become a surf instructor. These are all things that we offer at Black Girl Surf that we weren't even doing before. But now, because it worked for me, it -hmm. worked for Imani, Mm -hmm. you know, these are the things that we know will help a girl's career. And me being part of fashion marketing, which is all surfing is, um, it just, it just was an easy, it was easy. It was part of my wheelhouse. It was something that I already knew how to do, it just came natural. Now, this is one thing that just came natural is building Black Girl Surf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think also, well, I would say for me, the most, the most powerful thing is, is creating that mindset in younger girls that they can be a part. And it's not anybody's like, you don't need permission from anybody but yourself Mm -hmm. to go out there and surf and to be as good as you want to be as good as you will put in the time and the effort, you know, into it. Mm -hmm. And then knowing, you know, it's like we create a world where our girls feel safe. They know that we have their back. They know that we have their best interests. They know that we're only going to push them as hard as we're going to push them in relation to as hard as they're going to push themselves, mm. you know, it's that kind of thing. Like, so you find that the girls that are enrolled in our, our camps, they tend to be more focused. Mm-hmm. They're more driven, mm-hmm. you know, like I've been here for the, in California for the past two weeks and I get updates from my girls and they're like, sorry, coach, I'm late for training. I'm not even there. Oh, and wow. You're saying, sorry, I'm late for training. The discipline. And respect. And the respect, exactly. And it's something that we, you know, it's like helping to mold the future athlete mm-hmm. with an attitude and that is fit for an ambassador. Right. Because one of the things that we are instilling in our girls is that you are going to be somebody's inspiration. Mm-hmm. And you have to take that seriously. That's no joke. You know, like there comes, there's a serious responsibility that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And for me, it is very, like, it's a very beautiful thing to see them take that on and put their own personality 
into that yeah and just become that amazing person like yeah that's true like i met Maisie the yeah. other day oh my god Hadijai and, and all the other girls I'm like, at it. Are, like they so, have such brilliant personalities brilliant. like when you meet them they're like these little scrawny little 19 11 year olds <laughs> and now they're like you know young adults they're mm-hmm. like getting into their own they're, they're mm-hmm. they've they've managed to get tiktok accounts and they they keep up on their social media i mean these kids have just i mean the girls especially in senegal have changed so much mm-hmm. even the two years that i have spent in africa they they changed something man look hardy jack she grew like nine inches while mm-hmm. i was there mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one not one of us told her that her height could be a hindrance she's six mm-hmm. foot three and 13 you both have been kind of all over the world doing this at this point in time. How did you, how did the friendship take off from there? Did you decide to work on Black Girls Surf and Surf Girls Jamaica together? Were you both doing it separately before and then kind of joined forces? What's both the... the yeah, we did this both <laughs> at the same time, but before we, we started Black Girls Surf and, and Surf Girls Jamaica, uh, Surf Girls Jamaica. Mm-hmm we had a podcast for yeah. like five years. We yeah. interviewed everybody from Corrupt all the way to Kiala Kinley. Mm-hmm. We had DJs, we had mm-hmm. like themes and, and that's how a lot, especially for me, I know that it catapulted my career even more because people in Los Angeles were listening to me interview the white celebrities and the way that mm-hmm. I was white surf celebrities and the way that I was interviewing them. They asked me to come down and commentate for a professional um, competition mm-hmm. down in and same place I met Imani mm-hmm. in Huntington Beach and so when people when you're in a when you're commentating you're in a box that's up over everybody and you're you're just basically like just being yourself or whatever and there was like 10,000 people in attendance that day mm-hmm. that kept looking into that box because they couldn't believe that there was a black girl mm-hmm. commentating a surf yeah. contest in Huntington Beach of all places in 2010. Like it was just absolutely unheard of. And so I started getting more and more um, invitations to do things. And, mm-hmm. and, and then I just said, okay, since I'm here in this place, I'm here in this spot, let's start mm-hmm. Africa Surf International. This is why we have the podcast mm-hmm. going. We're literally still doing the podcast and we're, we're, we're trying to organize a, a contest series mm-hmm. at the same time. And it wasn't until we realized that we didn't have any girls, basically, except yeah. for Aymani. We, we weren't going to put Aymani in a contest. She's already been national champion. Mm-hmm. We couldn't put her against, you know, this little girl from Sierra Leone that she was going to be competing against, um, KK. But uh, so we started looking all over the place. We looked at, on every Everywhere. association and there were two girls in South Africa that were too young. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't want to bring him up. And that was Snee Makubu and Sam Keeley. Mm-hmm. And then we just said, okay, we, we run out. We run, we yeah. run out of hope at this point. I mean, literally two girls in South Africa. And you imagine two black girls out of the whole entire country that we could find that surf. Um, oh. And they were, right. So we started looking at the surf camps, right? Cause Jamnasia, there's gotta be more Jamnasia like one. Cause there's another camp in Hawaii with a group of the family that is, they could be the United States version of Gymnasia. Um, and it's on the North Shore of Hawaii. They could have, you know, it, we were trying to build this, but they weren't into competition. So we couldn't ask those girls. 
So we go and start looking at the camps and we found the camp. We said, well, let's try locally, right? Like, mm-hmm. like in the West African area, right? Mm-hmm. And so we found Haji Sam in, in Senegal, walking with her surfboard, um, just, just a random picture. And then I started scrolling. Journalism again. Journalism again. <laughs> you know, I have to research, mm-hmm. right? So I'm doing my research. I need to find out who this person is. So, so I call and then I, well, I, I messaged them and I, and I asked who it was. They told me who it was. And I said, did she compete? And they said, um, I'm sure she wants to. She's been a surf instructor. And so I just, how you don't even speak English at that point? Like none. And, and, and I, and I, I instant messenger and I said, would you like to be in a surf contest? Well, I don't know, but she must've Google translated it because all I saw was <laughs> <laughs> You know what's so crazy to me is that you know everybody's names. You both know every girl's names that you've mentioned in person by name. And it just shows how dedicated you both are to really connecting with everyone, every Black woman surfer that you meet on this very like genuine, meaningful, empowering level. It's really amazing to see or hear. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I love about us is that we are authentic no matter where we are all everything that we do is organic I mean we just we if something we come up with we make sure that it's not commercialized and Mm. homogenized and and watered down and and I always say I don't do fluff articles because I don't because there's a message in everything that we do so there's no need for me to have a pretty article out there that's that's unnecessary when we're trying to make a change Mm -hmm. Um, but everybody on our IG page and now we have what for almost 44,000 people we'll have 44,000 people tonight um there or that's organically grown that's not us trying to get yeah you know people to come and then uh, we don't worry about aesthetics you know there's some yeah. people that put a lot you know they, uh, they have to have all this stuff yeah. from canva and all this mm-hmm. we know everybody that's on there everything that's there happened yeah. it's not we didn't get it from some other account yeah and then mm-hmm. put it on ours we literally live this life and yeah. so it's funny when we see other groups we know they don't live that life but we genuinely live this life mm-hmm. And it's always, mm. it's always been about the girls yeah, always. and the future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, I think it's just also the type of persons that we are. Like when we get into something, we are invested in it. Yep. You know, we're going to go 150%, 150. at least, you know, so we know all the girls' names. I mean, yeah. they change so much to that sometimes even because I've never been to Africa, right? right? But I've, I'm looking at all the pictures of the girls and I'm trying to learn their names, even though I've never met them in person. And wow. even though like every month they look different because they're just growing, they're like growing, springing up, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But that's it, you know? We haven't even spoken about the girls we have in Brazil. Yeah. You know? We have <laughs> so girls like, in Brazil. I mean, we have qu- we have camps everywhere now. Place. We started out with like two girls, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and and <laughs> now we have so many camps, like we're putting them on hold on building new ones because we have to catch up. We, we yeah. do have to play catch up. When I was, uh, when they, they shut Senegal down and I was, you know, inside of Senegal. She was stuck in Senegal I during COVID. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just oh, wow. Say the U.S. was closed. Senegal borders was closed. Everything was closed. <laughs> Everything. I, I, I keep saying, you know, I, I try not to say stuck because when it's stuck, you feel like it's something negative. But right. something absolutely beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. formed out of that. All the camps that we have now were all formed all over the world through one room and one mm-hmm. house over the water. You know, everything that was created. We did a paddle out, an international paddle out. 
around the world for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Aubrey. Wow. And thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of people around the world attended those. Yeah. And that was done. It was organized out of my bedroom window. Mm-hmm. Like I was literally looking at, at the African sunset planning a, 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 a paddle out for George Floyd. So, I mean, we, we, we keep it real. Yeah. Like we, we have, we keep it real and we did and this is the thing that we people do don't stuff. know about us is that we don't hire a lot of people to do these things like no no we do we everything do everything we answer our own phones yeah every time i answer yeah. my phone goes you hello wait a minute is who am i speaking to i'm like this is Rhonda, and they're like wait um i just called black girl serve i say yeah i just called black girl <laughs> serve. i said it's Rhonda harper and they go you answer your own phone of mm-hmm. course i do yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, every time I call Jamijo, Imani answers the phone. See, yeah, see, you get the idea. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you grew up in the U.S., Rhonda, and you grew up in uh, Jamaica, Imani. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there's a distinct difference between surfing cultures? And have you both been able to, I guess, if there's anything that you've learned from each other, in terms of those differences, what have you learned from each other? Mm-hmm. Well, there's definitely there's definitely a difference in terms of surfing culture. Mm-hmm. Like what most people don't realize is that even today, Jamaican surfing as an industry is still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. When I started surfing, we had no access to surf movies and magazines mm-hmm. and, you know, my, my dad being a musician and touring the world at that time, he would be the one who would stop by a surf shop and grab some magazines and some leashes and stuff. I remember he was the one who, he, he used to always video us surfing. And the equipment that we learned on was like equipment that you used to surf big waves. We call them guns. Like yeah. you're talking about boards that are like nine, 10 feet long and really oh. skinny designed to surf like 20 foot waves that's yeah. what we learned to surf some little three foot four foot waves on that's unheard <laughs> of you know and the videos that we had access to at the time were older videos mm-hmm. so our style even our style of surfing in jamaica is different because it's it kind of absorbs that old school style of surfing you know i i learned to surf from my dad who was surfing in like I would say like what 70s mm. you know like at that time he was surfing he has a very old school style you know so we learned to surf on his boards all of these things um but one distinct thing about our culture in Jamaica is that we want to surf together mm-hmm. it, you always like when you 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 always call up and be like hey mm-hmm. are you going surfing today where are you going because I want to come and surf with you you know here that I notice in the U.S., nobody wants anybody to know where they're going serving. They want to live for themselves, you know. Yeah. That's that's completely like different for me. Another thing I recognize when I was competing was the attitude is a lot different for as an athlete in the water. When we're surfing at home, and this is just what we were raised with, you know, is that you surf your best. And you don't watch what anybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. You go out there and okay. every wave that you, you get the right away to get, you rip it, you surf it all the way. You don't drop off and you make sure you stick all your moves. And you, you know what I mean? Like that's how we came into surfing. But then 
after entering competitions, I realized that you have surfers who are making it their priority to prevent you from catching waves, right. to prevent you from surfing your best. So True. it's not like you lose yeah. because you weren't better than the other person, but you lose because somebody used a tactic to prevent you from catching wow. waves. Right. You know, and even though, the, you know, like at that age, that pissed me off. I'm right. going to be really like, I, was, I mean, yeah. it can be, it can be, it can be. And now things are different. They have rules in place that, okay. you know, help to cut these things down. They have priority systems and yeah. all of these things that, you know, like they'll, they'll completely cut you from a contest if you're breaking, you know, rules. So things have changed, you know what I mean? But at that time, experiencing that for myself, that was like a wake up call, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. coming from Jamaica, where I would say 90% of people in Jamaica are black. We don't really have that racism issue on the beach like that. Yeah. Most of our surfers are black surfers. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Here, when you come here, it's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. So that was another wake up call. But having, I think, having experienced that unfair, that bias that existed and it still exists today, mm-hmm. I think me having that personal experience, I was able to relate to Rhonda, having, even though the experience was different, it was still an unfair experience. It was still a bias there. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that is what allowed us to really work together so even though the experiences were different the intention was the same and we could kind of, we could see like okay there needs to be a change and we are two people who can do something about it for the longest time you serve you search google and say black female surfer and it would have been my picture that came up mm-hmm. there was only two pictures there was exactly. one there was one it was imani and then the other one was four girls who turned out to be models yeah Oh wow! They weren't even surfers. They weren't even surfers. That was it. That's all you got. Yeah. Now it's completely. Now you have a whole bunch of them. You know what I mean? Now it's completely different. But and for me, it was important that you see when you hold that kind of space, being like one of the first, one of the only. Mm -hmm. To me, it is important to use that voice to change situations Mm -hmm. to make them better you know and what i i got from our friendship was we were able to develop that platform where we could both use our voices to make the changes that we're seeing today Mm -hmm. it's true that's true uh the different uh, culture here and in and from where imani is is that this is a white culture Mm -hmm. all it was up until it was up until they made california uh, California state sport surfing. And that day I launched black girl, relaunched black girl surf because I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. And my thing was now I can officially say, uh, 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 this isn't blonde to you. Mm-hmm. This is a state of Cali- California sport. Yeah, I'll do whatever exactly. I want to do. It gave me like, as soon as the law passed, I was like, or yeah, as soon as they passed the bill and made it the official sport, I was just like, oh, I was on cloud nine. And then I started really, really trying to figure out how to push black girl surf because mm-hmm. I knew right then that you couldn't, you couldn't, you can't take it back. 
Once yeah. it's out there, you can't take it back. It's yeah. California sport. So you, you have to change the culture. You, you really do. And even when we were doing Africa Surf International, you got to see the change starting because they seen us coming and they fought for that contest. Both entities were fighting for that contest. Mm-hmm. And this was what, 2012 when we started that, yeah. the Africa Surf International. So when I say it's what the difference is now is that I can go to Jamaica, get off, get a board and go to the beach and you're going to see a whole bunch of black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get off. I'm going to get, I'm going to go grab my board right now. I'm going to head to Santa Cruz. Now I'm going to see these white people. That's, that's mm-hmm. the big difference. Not only am I going to mm-hmm. see, you know, a bunch of white people, but I'm, I'm going to catch a whole bunch of attitude mm-hmm. as well. Like it's, you just don't just go right. And Santa Cruz was my home spot. And it was weird coming back because, you know, when I, we had, a, I went to Senegal to do Haji's to produce Haji's movie. And in the movie, we're talking about how racist Santa Cruz is. Now, I haven't been home because I've been locked out of the country. I come back and I'm just waiting to see, like, (laughs) (laughs) am I going to, you know, what what kind of response people are going to get, right? Because you don't know. Yeah, especially given all that had happened throughout the course of that year of you being gone. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened was, this is the, this is. This is the result of your work, whether you're here on the ground or you're, you're locked in a country. I went out, I've never seen that many women surfers of color ever when wow. I went to Santa Cruz. I just, when I just, I was looking and I was like, there's a lot of girls, but there were a lot of women of color. Like a lot, a lot. Like I don't usually see that many women, especially in that area, because it was like poor, it's like where the, the predominantly rich people live. But I've never seen that many people of color. So you, and then I go to LA and then you see it. You see more and more and more. And now I'm seeing groups pop up more and more and more. But before we didn't have this, it was just a white sport. That's it. I went in and I, and I sat down and I spoke with them about their, their diversity program and, and tried to help them as much as I could fix some of the wrongs that they, because they are the leader of the sport here. Here is yeah. where Santa Monica and the WSL, they are the leaders of the sport. They, they're, they're the face, right? Even though they're dysfunctional, they're still the face. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go in there. You have to have these hard conversations. And it wasn't hard for me because everybody was like, oh, how did you do it? I said, well, I came and I turned the doorknob. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I sat down mm-hmm. with them and I told them, listen, you're racist. You need to change your fees. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to go into the communities of color. You need to start like, you, just like you guys have all of these little um, development camps that you guys sponsor in Huntington Beach and all of these other things that you do, you need to start doing those for people of color who mm-hmm. are trying to develop kids and yeah. trying to put them into competition. You know, we I mapped this thing out completely because I knew that it was a moment in time that either it was like a sink or swim, mm-hmm. right? Either you're going to do this and it's going to work or you're not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So being that journalist, being being that journalist that I was, I went and took a course called Judging and Officiating, mm-hmm. given by the ISA. That's so the that International, I, the International Surfing Association. Surfing Association. Okay. I went in there and I and I took the course on judging and officiating just so we could have Africa Surf International. Yeah. Well, we would not have Black Girl Surf if we had not started the ASI. The girls picked up. Like mm-hmm. you've seen Black male surf. We've seen them. They've been in contests. We've seen them, but you never okay. seen the black woman. So I was going to say one of the things that we do is that, you know, to really be able to change any system, 
you have to get into it. Mm -hmm. You have to know how it works. You mm -hmm. have to know what are the rules, mm -hmm. the unwritten rules, mm -hmm. all of these things. And, you know, a lot of people actually ask the question, like, what are our qualifications? That's a, that's a question that we actually get. And other than just decades of experience, mm -hmm. like both of us are certified judges. We're both yep. surfing um, judges. We're both coaches, you know, like, but we, nobody else gets questioned. Yeah. There's, there's a yeah. male group right now that has about eight girls. Yeah. But maybe eight girls, something like that. They yeah. never get questioned. Never, ever. The, the both founders mm -hmm. don't surf. Yeah. Or swim. Wow. They or never swim. get questioned. It, it's never brought up, but it's always brought up when it's coming at black girl sir mm -hmm. how are you yeah. qualified what, made you, what makes you an olympic judge blah 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 this and that well let me tell you what makes you an olympic coach if i'm coaching you mm -hmm. and you're scheduled to go into the olympics then you're an olympic coach yeah, yeah you've done it that's it <laughs> you know that's what I'm saying? Like, it's it's that it that's the mentality though because they don't they don't see us as having that type of power or that type of intelligence or actually researching and doing the work yeah. like there's so many yeah. people who come in now we see that they just started surfing last year now all of a sudden they're they're giving surf lessons mm -hmm. i'm never going to go to you yeah because i know yeah. first of all you don't have enough experience to save my life yeah and you have mm -hmm. a whole bunch of lives in your hand yeah so I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm very picky about, and I make sure that all my girls, we, we held a, a, a surf instructor course. Mm -hmm. The first time it ever happened in history, all black women, yeah. 10 black women. And we paid for it. So they would be certified surf instructors, surf instructors, surf coaches. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of thing. That's the, that's the, the, what is that called in the black Panther? That's the Dory Maji we trying to, mm -hmm. we trying to build right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I was just about to ask, actually, is where do you both see it going? What's your, what's the, like, five-year goal? I don't think we have goals set, like, five years, ten I years. I used to do that. You, but now you realize that things change yeah. so fast. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I think we more have, we have intentions yeah. <laughs> that we have set. Yeah. And then we work towards that intention because the goal will change or you might accomplish it yeah, faster than I did. And years. that's exactly what yeah, happened. I mean, it's like I accomplished the goal that I was that I had set for myself. Yeah. Mm. And so now what do you do? So now I'm going into producing surf films and step behind the camera. Because I've already done two, produced two um already mm -hmm. and helped with it with Imani's movie. Mm -hmm. So that is my wheelhouse right now. That's that's where I'm heading. I still want to be on the ground with the girls because I do miss that that contact. But I do want somebody to take over the office part of it because mm -hmm. I left office work. I left CFO. I left CEO. I left all that to do what I do now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how fast we were going to blow up. And I didn't realize how much actual business goes into the business the of surfing. surfing. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. That is so true. Which is interesting for you, right, Amanda, because you really want the industry of surfing to, to develop more quickly in Jamaica. And you know what? I wouldn't say more quickly. Um, I think that things that develop when they're supposed to develop, that's, mm -hmm. that's just how it works best. You know, like if we start trying to rush developing an industry, then we're going to end up in problems. 
you know, mm-hmm. like right now for someone to take up surfing in Jamaica, it's very expensive. Like yes. the average surfboard, even if you could buy a surfboard here in the US for $300, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, take it there. By the time you pay for shipping and customs, uh, you know, all the duties and everything, that same $300 surfboard just cost you $1,000. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't have that kind of money, it's, it's, you're not going to get into surfing. Your parents not going, you know, you can't justify that. So how do we create that industry now where we can make our own boards in Jamaica? Mm. That is, that is really the next step for me. You know, like my next intention is to make this as big as like champs that we have. So we have these like, um, scholar, you know, like how they had, what was that? Scholastic um, that they had the schools competition. Yeah. We have that in jamaica we call it champs you know for like high school but they don't do they don't do swimming or surfing in champs they only they do, do athletics do, yeah athletic track track right things the you know typical. what i mean exactly so that would be my intention for that to, to develop that where it's 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 self-sustaining mm. you know yeah I, uh, I think i'm piggyback on imani too because i i think just being a carpenter Mm-hmm. or being a former carpenter i think it's easier especially in west africa where they don't have access to equipment at all the boards that they have now uh some of them were donated mm-hmm. and some of well most of them were donated yeah. I, I think i bought two out of maybe three out of mm-hmm. all the boards that they have there but then the learner boards you there's a decathlon there but then you're getting like low quality at high prices yeah. you know what i mean so that's the next and then you end up having to replace that equipment so mm-hmm. and then to, to bring them like she said i i've been bringing two boards to senegal now uh, over the past years and over the past year and one time it'll be 200 next time it'll be 150 it's whatever the airline decides decide. sometimes if you have like if you have a layover in new york and you have to go pick it up yeah. and you go to check it in they're going to make you pay again another hundred wow. no it's 300 bucks yeah to, to put, and you got the board for free yeah i told people to stop sending me stuff in 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 senegal because somebody sent me um a very nice like body board it was a tandem body board and somebody donated it to black girl surf and then by the time, by that paid time the i paid in the back room. Yeah. yeah if that's what y'all want to call it in the back room <laughs> down the hallway and there's some low light <laughs> office <laughs> i ended up paying 250 us dollars for it so i just told everybody don't send me anything because i don't want to have to go through that i'd rather just take it so mm-hmm. what we did was we did a board drive and we collected probably close to like 60 boards mm-hmm. and we've just been distributing them as as we need to the girls all the girls get boards they all all of the girls get right. boards. like if imani was you know if she didn't have the two girls that her grand grandpa mm-hmm. bought boards for mm-hmm. then we would have sent boards down there with her yeah right but we try to make sure that all the girls have their own equipment because who doesn't want their own surfboard and that's I, yeah. all, I, don't learn, I don't want somebody on my board what if they break it and that's that's how you that's how you improve yeah you know what i mean like staying on that one board you stay on your one board you have uh-huh. your board yeah that you can ride and, and that is another thing too, is that we have to, you see, because we don't have access to the equipment, 
we have to teach our we teach our girls how to fix them yes we teach you to take care of it because that one board that you get that's it you yeah. break you have to it, hold on to it yeah you have to hold on. i have a board that i've had like when i came to california the first time i still have that board oh, wow. leaned up and that was like 2015 or whatever that was you know what i mean like that is the kind of value that you have to have in these kind of situations because you don't have access to them yeah, like that. It. Once you're gone, it's gone. Look, one of our girls loaned their cousin who was in the boys program. The first thing we told them was mm-hmm. do not loan out your boards. Yep. Right. This is your, if you have a job, I'm a, if I'm a carpenter, I need my hammer to go mm-hmm. to work. Right. Yeah. Don't show up without your hammer. Right. So I told them, don't give your boards out. And, and one of my girls learned the hard way that this is what happens when you don't listen to your coaches. Her cousin took her board, decided that he wanted to start doing airs on her board, mm-hmm. just beat the Hire board completely up and gave her like a like a board you would like a shop board. And when we say shop board, they're usually heavier. They have a lot more resin on the deck. They're just they're just horrible. not high performance. They're just not high performance boards. And she had a high performance board that I brought up from South Africa, and he just killed the thing. Mm-hmm. And then now you're stuck with this. Now you're stuck without a board. Yeah. What are you going yeah. to do now? Yeah. Can't surf. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and if anyone wants to get involved with Black Girls Surf, Surf Girls Jamaica, how do they do that? Who do they call? How do they get in touch? Um, what are where are you located? You know, all of that stuff. Well, the easiest way is on Instagram. Yeah. Um, you know, at Surf Girls J A um or at Black Girls Surf, you know. Um Usually, if somebody messaged me with something to do with Black Girl Surf, I'll pass it on through the okay. right channel, you know, and it's same thing with Rhonda, too. If you message at Black Girl Surf, then, you know, it will get to us, you know, like we work together. To so it's it's going to get to us one way or the other, you know. Yeah. But IG um, is right now I am located in California mm-hmm. and then I will be leaving soon, probably after the holidays to go to South Africa to work on that camp because that's the newest camp that we have. So we have South Africa, Sierra Leone, uh, Lagos, Senegal. What, what am I missing? Jamaica, Liberia. Liberia. Yeah. Jamaica. Brazil. Brazil. U.S. And the three in U.S. Mm-hmm. But I'm missing a, I'm missing a country. Missing. Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ghana. <laughs> We can't, you see how bad yeah. we are like they're growing so fast we're like like try we need to like have a map and say okay this is where we are now yeah. um and it's growing so yeah, yeah. and we and, and we don't just you don't just have to be with black girls so if there's girls that have applied for like loan you know like grants like we'll hand mm-hmm. out a scholarship you know mm-hmm. every once in a while like there's two girls right now in brazil mm-hmm. that we 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 send 252 every two months i think Mm -hmm. so that they can stay on tour Mm -hmm. so i think Mm -hmm. yeah we we any any surfer that comes and they have a financial need and we can we can see that you're actually competing we're going to try to help the best way we can Mm -hmm. or put you in contact or put you in contact with the best people yeah and you know sometimes we have opportunities for film productions yeah you know like like what's the name in in that canadian one that we did and you know like there's a bunch of them so oh yeah we get we get 
we get uh castings yeah. all the time mm-hmm. i think there's two in there today there's but we get castings all the time and that never happened before yeah. before black girl surf you didn't see black surfers in commercials and and mm-hmm. all of these things as, soon as we started black girl surf all of a sudden the casting directors just started coming and asking us for for girls and mm-hmm. we started sending them we started sending them out look mm-hmm. hey send your headshot in mm-hmm. and then developed a production company on the side of that yeah. so that we can start doing our own content and mm-hmm. and different projects that we've all been working on yeah dope that's so dope thank you so much ladies for joining me and thank you for the work that you're doing thanks Armani for having Janmesia because that's how I got involved with surfing to begin with and it's really made such a difference in my life just generally in terms of helping me to stop overthink and it's just given me something to to look to work towards you know so thank you for that and um when does your all girls surfing day is a Saturday or a Sunday so the girls surfing is on Sundays Sundays at Sundays yeah every Sunday at three amazing thank you so much for joining us and we will definitely be watching the space and you know good luck with everything and and thank you again um thanks so much for listening everyone Don't forget to check out our podcast every Thursday across all streaming platforms. We are Dope Black Women on Twitter and Facebook and on Instagram, we're Dope Black Women 1. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically Black. Black.